Welcome to CPF Firewire, a podcast from California professional firefighters where we discuss a wide range of issues affecting firefighters, our unions, our families, and the communities we serve. Hello and welcome to CPF Firewire from California professional firefighters. My name is Carol Wills, and I'm the communications director for CPF. I'm sitting here with CPF President Brian Rice and Secretary-Treasurer Mike Lopez. Together, these gentlemen have been in office for a year, one of the more eventful years in the history of this organization and really in the history of the profession. It seemed like a good time, therefore, to take stock of what's happened in the last year, how CPF is having a meaningful impact on the profession, and kind of take a peek into the, the next year and into the future. Brian, you're an old hand at this podcasting thing. You've got three <laughs> under your belt, so, uh, so uh, welcome. Thank you, Carol. Uh, and Mike, uh, good to have you here joining us for your maiden voyage here. Thank you very much. Um, since uh, I'd like to start out, since the members, uh, since we've been doing this podcast, members have kind of come to come to know Brian a little bit. But uh, as I said, this is kind of your first uh, your first trip here. So maybe uh, tell us a little bit about your story and uh, what made you what made you want to become a firefighter, and what what was it uh, that made you want to become involved in the union movement and and uh, the union. You know, I started my career in 1989 in Chico. Uh, to tell you the truth, my sister was the one who introduced firefighting to me. She knew that there was a lot of fires in in the wildland area in that in the Chico area, and she thought it would be good for me uh, to get involved. I'm a I came from a background of, uh, of team sports, baseball, soccer, football, and it was something that I knew it was team oriented, and so I, I went for it and rolled in some classes. Went to uh, College community uh, college there and went to the fire academy and I got hired with Cal Fire in 1989. And then, uh, you know, I come from a union family. I'm, I'm very proud. My grandfather was a longshoreman down in Ventura, Port Wyneme area. And um, I, I just felt that when I heard that there was a, a union meeting in my local area, I had to be there. And right from the very beginning, I got involved and I, I just, uh, I never stopped. And looking back, my very first office I held for Cal Fire Local 2881 in the chapter area was Secretary Treasurer. Oh, wow. And so (laughs) now I'm here as Secretary Treasurer, and it's kind of, I've come full circle. Mm -hmm. And so, um, yeah, it's been, it's, uh, again, going back to uh, my my union roots, my grandfather was a, a union officer for a large majority of his career. And uh, my grandmother, 99 years old, died in my mother's house, collecting my grandfather's pension, um, you know, $2,300 a month until the day she died. And so the benefits of the union have always been um, very... Front and center, front and center for me and my family, and I just see what what that's done for us. Right, now, so, and Brian, now you didn't have a, a a union background in your in your family, right? So you kind of came to it with fresh eyes. Yes, um, you know, Carol, when I came in, I I was born and raised in Fontana, California, mm-hmm. Southern California. My dad suddenly died when I was eight years old, and I had two uncles. One at the time, Tom Cloud, was a captain with the Rialto Fire Department, and the other, Dale, was a captain with then. Uh, the city of Fontana. And they kind of, you know, they filled in. Um, when my mom needed kind of, I guess, a father figure or or a male figure, my two uncles uh, filled in for us. And I remember going to Maple School and, and having the city of Fontana there and Tom and Dale just kind of taking care of us. And then as I grew up, you know, my first recognition of uh, a union or labor, my dad was a retail clerk, worked in uh, 
the grocery industry in Southern California, raised a family of nine, uh, worked at Vons and Shopping Bag uh, back in the Where day. Where extras are yours at no extra cost. That's right, exactly. <laughs> and and that kind of started when I when I started my path towards a fire service career, um, my knowledge and my awareness of the union was up. And, you know, I was like all of us when we got hired, that was one of the first meetings you had was with your uh, union representatives. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was a no brainer to sign up and, and sign my card and put everything forward. And and then it was off to the races. Right. You know, I I actually, and, I'll, and he's passed now, my captain at the time, Gary Vickery, um, I was kind of a mouthy guy at the coffee table, mouthy young guy, and mm-hmm. and was riding our representative hard. And Gary Vick looked at me and said, "Why don't you put your money where your mouth is mm-hmm. and run for office?" Right. And that's what started it. Right. And so you both were union uh, local presidents of your local union. Brian, you yes. were president of Sacramento Area Firefighters Local Five Two Two, and Mike, you were president of uh, Cal Fire Local uh, 2881. But you also um, have a, a long history with the organization California Professional Firefighters. Brian, you served on the executive board uh, earlier. And because of your position, Mike, you uh, were uh, on the executive board for a CPF during the entire time that you were. And it clearly was an organization that you felt was in, was important to stay involved in, and that's why you came to, you know, came to, uh, to, to your current position. So maybe I'd like to ask you, what, from your perspective, makes CPF such an important organization and something that you wanted to really kind of make a personal commitment to in terms of uh, being in the leadership? Brian, maybe... When you look at local work, there's there's really three parts of it. There's your, your local union, mm-hmm. and you um, do the business, you know, grievance, discipline, contract negotiations. You do um, politics at your local level. And then I always knew and knew the mission of the CPF. Um, at the time when I came in, Dick Mayberry, who was my president, was also our third district vice president. So there was a, a pretty solid indoctrination of what the CPF does for for us as firefighters within the state Cal- state of California. And then Mayberry, through his relationships with Al Whitehead, there was another indoctrination of what the international does for us. And through Dick, I got to meet Dan. Um, Dan Terry. Dan Terry. And... Uh, the president emeritus of the California president emeritus of CPF. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yeah, and the and man whose name is on the building is on the building is on our scholarship fund. Um, you know, Dan uh, Dan built Dan built this organization, and he invested blood, sweat, and tears into it, and he built a um, political juggernaut in the state of California, President Paulson. Lou, Lou continued that on. And um, I look to, to build off of, off of that. And, you know, it's kind of, as you look at it and you look back what we do, legislation and politics, and being in constant communication with our member locals, you know, there's a little bleed over in other areas, but it's, it's getting our locals in touch with what happens at the state level. And, you know, for me, I look at it, the legislative um, agenda that we have, I want the tailboard firefighter, the jump seat firefighter, when they think of their union, they think of three things, my local union, the CPF, and the international, and understand the role that each of those organizations plays in their professional life. And Mike, uh, that, 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 
connection with the tailboard firefighter sort of visits itself really in in really just about everything that CPF gets involved in. You've had the experience not only of being on the CPF executive board, but also as the president of a statewide local. You yes. um, you understand the the importance of of the decisions that are made here at the state level. You know, Brian touched on it when when I was a young officer coming up. And then learning about the C, the CPF, the IAFF, and then you hear about the AFL CIO, and it, and if you look at those things, if you look at those those organizations, it's it's one big umbrella, another big umbrella, another big umbrella, and it's like we're all one, but we're under you know we're under the labor family, and for me it was like one doesn't go without the other. CPF is for the state organization, for the legislative work that we do is, is as valuable as your local president. If you look at the history of the legislation that we passed, Firefighter Bill of Rights, just, we were talking about that the other day at, at our uh, activism meeting. That card that we print out and send out by the thousands every year is probably one of the most successful campaigns this office has ever done when it comes to uh, public information getting out to the members. Every you, you look at the uh, you talk to firefighters they've all seen that card and so for me uh, the benefit of of the CPF is it's every day every day at the local and then the, the IFF AFLCI we're all big one so for me it was a no brainer just acceptance it just made sense right um, now when you guys came into office um, this uh, this past May one of the priorities that you set. Uh, was to get out in the field uh, more and connect with the men and women on the front lines. You, I know you all did a, a, a road trip uh, um, uh, sort of directly into the firehouses, and of course you both spent a lot of time out on the fire lines. Um, uh, and you've also been at city council meetings when, you know, when, when those things happen. Um, I'd like to just sort of get a sense from you uh, as to as to how you were, uh, how you were received and uh, what kinds of things that what kind of information and feedback you heard from the membership that uh, that uh, you felt as though was particularly important that either kind of underscored what CPF is doing or perhaps suggested new new paths? You know, Carol, when we we did the <clears throat> the Southern California trip or tour right right before the November election, and a lot of things that we talked about were state endorsements and the propositions, and certainly the propositions why we. Um, we're supporting certain ones. One of them was Prop, prop Six. Yes, mm -hmm. and you know, for me, the discussion the discussion was safe highways, safe roads, well maintained. It translates into safe families, and then that's part of our our workplace safety. We work on the roads, we travel on them. So making that connection. But I think for me, as we did that was a lot of listening to what the members had to say and and the the very diverse and differing political views whether they were far more liberal than where my feet might be planted mm -hmm. or far more conservative than where my feet were planted I got the most out of listening to members and and really interaction interacting with them and some of the things that I heard was I'm I'm glad that we have leadership that understands where my political views may be coming from. And on the same hand, you know, you talk to them and, and say, you know, our job is to educate you and know, so that you put you in a place that you know what your professional politics, the direction that they're going and having that understanding. So, you know, the reception was good. Um, hey, sometimes those conversations were, um, uh, 
they were tough, a little frosty, but I found out, you know, if you just listen and talk directly right. back and forth, um, it, at the end of the day, it was a really, I never had one person, even if we disagreed on everything, mm-hmm. never did one person say this was a bad exchange or a bad idea. They always appreciated having that discussion. I imagine as local presidents, you've, you've had your share of frosty conversations uh, in the, you know, at, at union meetings. Yes, right, you do. A- absolutely. You know, and for me on that, when we did that, um, that tour in Southern California, I would say the, um, it's not the disconnect, but where we, we were a little separated from some members is the endorsement process or the right. endorsement of candidates. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that because we've seen it nationally and we've seen it at our state level recently. And, I think the value of us going to the member and explaining the reasons why we did those endorsements, it, it, it was worth its weight in gold. Right. You can never go wrong visiting the member and telling them directly why you did this and what was the reasons for it. So to have the president there uh, to to go to these uh, membership meetings, we, we visited, we probably hit close to a couple hundred in that swing. Um, it, it was invaluable for, for us to be there. Right. Now, Mike, you had uh, a lot of direct connection. Well, both of you did. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, not long after you came into office, we had the campfire, which was just a you know a, a cataclysmic bit of devastation. And Mike, that was uh, that hit home, especially for you, because that was where you were you know where you were raised. Yes, absolutely. You know, I spent my career in Butte County, and where the Polga uh, location is, where that little community is, I was a fire captain there for eight years, and so I was also a firefighter in my early career there. Mm-hmm. So I know the community very well, and I know the fire history very well. They've had four major fires there in the last 25 years. Right. And so no, never in our wildest dreams did we think the fire was ever going to go to the West Branch and jump and run downhill. Mm-hmm. Everyone always trained and thought the, the fire was going to come up from the south or from the valley up to Paradise and right. burn out that way and trap people getting out. Right. So as we all know what happened, it was absolutely devastating. And Never my again my 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 dreams that I would e- I would ever envision seeing a FEMA center in my hometown right. of Chico, and the impacts that it has um, the fire has happened to that community. And it, it's no fault of the citizens of the town of Paradise. They came into Chico where they had family and friends, but right. the town has been you know turned. Uh, I don't say upside down, but the influx of people. There's more people on the street. There's just more. There, there's been more uh, cars. It's, it's just not as smooth as it has been. Right. But for the the impacts to our members, um, we had roughly a, somewhere in the mid 40s of, of uh, professional firefighters who lost their homes, and then we had retirees that lost their homes. So uh, I'll tell you one thing that really. One of the proudest moments of my union career was being the CPF officer there, giving out the save cards to our members and to the community. Right. The save cards being the supplying aid to victims of emergency uh, cards that are distributed by the California Fire Foundation, CPF's nonprofit. And that program has been in in service for years already, but it's been just basically a hundred dollar card to a, a say a residential fire or something along those lines. That up and down the state where we have fire departments participate in that program. We did not know that we were going to give out 10,000 cards within one month from the Woolsey fire to the camp fire. And when that fire, when those fires took off and all the publicity hit both, the influx of money coming into our foundation quadrupled overnight. And so right away with the president's direction, myself and our staff, we increased it from $100 to $250, those gift cards from MasterCard. And I will tell you, uh, 
that money right there to see the faces of the people receiving those cards, it was um, something I'll, I'll never forget. It was it was enough money to get someone who probably had family in Washington State they could not get to because they didn't have fuel, right. and they didn't have or a couple nights stay to get where they needed to go. Right. So to make to to see that um, people walking away in tears um, again is something that I will never forget. It really kind of is the epitome of the the notion that the union is all of us. I mean, you had similar experiences. Yeah. Absolutely, Carol. When, as I was, kind of the same role, but but we had different roles, and Mike headed up the Butte portion of it, and and really drove it. Um, uh, IFF, tenth district vice president, and uh, Dave Gelati, LA County firefighters president, seventh district vice president here, and Chris Mann, second district vice president. Right headed up the effort in Southern California at the Woolsey fire. And so I made a quick trip down there to meet with Frank and Frank see Lima. what Frank Lima, DVP Lima, meet with um, him and see what was going on, then came back up this way. And the union is all of us. It, it, it so bears out here because the effort, it wouldn't have been as powerful without, you know, if you, if you take one partner out of it, it, it just, you know, a stool can't stand on two legs. You need three legs. Right. And, you know, the phone calls and the assists that we were called for as the, as the president of the foundation or the chairperson of the foundation, you know, received a call from Mayor Eric Garcetti. Right. And he offered assistance, you know, what, what can I do to help firefighters? And I said, well, we actually put the framework together for a benevolent fund for the firefighters to help firefighters that have lost their home um, in a disaster. And he uh, partnered with uh, a friend of his, Alyssa Milano. And um, when they were done, that, that fund is funded with about $290,000. And we're going to go back to firefighters that have uh, lost their homes in the last uh, couple wildland fires. You know, it's a little... it's. Right. I don't want to say it, it's after the fact. It just matters. Right. And, you know, some of the people that reached out, the governor. Um, I was just going to say, you know, that that attention then leverages to a, 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 a substantial uh, connection with the governor to provide really some meaningful it, uh, support. It, governor Newsom, um, I, con- I, I contacted him and, and said, you need to come up here. You know, we've lost... Um, a whole town, California firefighters. That's we don't do that. It's never happened. At the time, we didn't know how many civilian deaths there were going to be, and we talked for a second. And I said, "I'm asking you to come up to do really two or three things: to see the overall operation, go by an evacuation center, and then go meet with the men and women on the line." And I'm asking you to come up here with nobody. I know you have to have a staff person, and I know you have to have your your security detail, and that's exactly what he did. And I watched him as he talked not only to um, community members that had lost their homes and the things that struck him, uh, the fact that the uh, uh, early warning system was not it just wasn't what it should have been. And there were people that didn't get a warning ahead of time, but then watched him have interaction with firefighters on the needs. We went to the, the Paradise Station and, you know, we went through and we discussed there and at least got him immersed. This is, these are the things that frontline firefighters face every single um, day and certainly at, at issues like this. And he got it. It wasn't a photo opportunity. It wasn't um, to get your name in print 
we put pictures up for our right. members to see, right. but that's it. It was to go and talk to firefighters. Then within two days, I got a call from uh, the first partner staff. And if those of you that don't know, uh, Jennifer Siebold Newsom uh, asked to be called the first partner instead of the first lady. And so we took, we took uh, the first partner up there and a little bit of the same tour. But the one thing that we got to do was have the firefighters that were literally first in. And a couple lost their homes that were there at that station that day. Yes, that had lost their homes to be able to have a discussion with her. And and firefighters, true to their nature, they're very humble people. And and usually if it's somebody outside our circle, we very much quiet down and don't say a lot. And with a little bit of encouragement, um, they were open, able to open up to the first partner and talk about some of the true needs right. that the fire fire service has there. And then she wanted to also hear about family needs. And I'll tell you this, a week later, I was in an event with a governor and he kind of called us out in a good way, but he said, you know, my wife went up to do kind of the same tour with the firefighters and lo and behold, I got some budget requests right there, right. you know, after hours. So but also then um, that also turned into the California Rises concert. Exactly. And, right. and the California Rises concert, instead of um, an inaugurational ball, the governor said, we're going to do a benefit. And, and it's going to be called California Rises. And it's going to be to benefit the communities and the survivors of the wildfires. And I believe, I could be a little off, but I believe that that fundraiser put about $4.6 million into the fire foundation of which we are in the process of using a grant process, both in Southern California and Northern California to directly impact in a positive way, the communities. So we're going to be able to show the governor and his staff, not only did you do the right thing by doing this and it matters to California, but, but we're a solid partner with you. So that speaks to those, the importance of those, those relationships that makes a big absolutely difference. it all matters and, and one thing before we move on to the next topic I, I'd be remiss if I didn't acknowledge the staff during those both those fires mm-hmm. because our uh, our communication staff our political staff our accounting and our foundation staff was this was a seven day week operation for at least a hard hard month right and then and then it and then we're still doing bits and pieces of accounting for that uh, into this year. And right. so, uh, again, the staff was just phenomenal during this this whole time. It was one big group effort. All praise generously accepted. Yeah. Um, uh, um, now, one, now, one of the specific priorities that you, you have emphasized, and it has become kind of a gathering priority for the profession, is the issue of post-traumatic stress injury, uh, which really is become something of a in you know now is sort of we're seeing it as something of a life or death uh life or death issue it's it's you know it could be called the new silent killer really in the in the profession um uh talk about what makes um this particular issue such a high priority for you and maybe a little bit about it sort of in brief some of the some of the ways that cpf has been trying to move the ball forward on that it ptsi and mental health issues surrounding the fire service. Um, We all know that it's come to the forefront in the last several years. And with the Behavioral Health Task Force, that is a statewide task force um, within the CPF, a labor and management consortium, and uh, used to educate and get materials out to our members, as well as um, 
vet counselors that, you know, deal with uh, firefighters, uh, military members and police officers. For for me, Carol, I, I, I mean, I, I know seven guys over the course of my career that killed themselves. And I don't mean I knew him because he worked in the department I worked for or he's a member of the union. I actually worked with them. Ralph Seeley, I worked on a private ambulance with them back in the 80s. Uh, Bill Bottorf uh, was a firefighter with me uh, at American River. Um, Brian Silvera was a member of uh, uh, Sacramento Fire Department. Frank Brennan, uh, I worked personally with Frank and went on the call. And, and there's a you couple- You were on the call. I was on the call, myself and my engine, engine nine, um, went- went to the call. We didn't know it was, we didn't know it was Frank, but it was in, uh, in the front seat of a car with a deer rifle. So you've eyeballed this. I, every person. fire. Oh yeah. No, we did the declaration of death and, and, and all of it. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's communications and we have such instantaneous communications today and better awareness of things today than we've ever had. I, I hate to say it, but I think this has been an issue in our profession for longer than most of us realize. And to say that it's a plague is an understatement. You know, we have had more firefighters, active duty firefighters kill themselves. They're outpacing line of duty deaths. Um, this is the month of, uh, uh, I'll just leave it. The last 30 days have been incredibly tragic for California firefighters. Right. You know, we've lost three of our own. Um, I get, it make it's hard to talk about. It makes my hands sweat, but I know enough that we can't we can't keep doing what we're doing, um, and not attack this problem. We are attacking this problem. I think that we are way beyond the talk about it stage and the work that I see by local unions. Um, and I'll let Mike touch on this. The fact that Cal Fire. Um, began to put behavioral health units in on these big fires. The work that uh, Local 1014 and Vice President President Gelati and Scott Ross, it, it's incredible where we stand today, but we're not even close to being done. And a lot of the pivotal part for the moment, and I'll, Mike, I'll let you pick it up, really, really comes out of 2881 and the command structure and having those resources available on these big incidents. Well, you know, it, it, and Brian, it, I was proud to, to partner when we had the, the catastrophic uh, death of Corey Iverson. And then at that time, we had, uh, we called in 1014, Dave Gelati was there, Frank Lima. And um, at that, at that uh, incident base in Ventura, at the, at the county fairgrounds, we put together a team, and then we went right to Cal Fire. They gave them incident order numbers for everybody, and that really got the ball moving. Now we're into fire scope. We're into the Ross system. We have members sitting on the fire scope for this. This is moving full steam ahead, and it's been recognized by, again, Cal Fire's doing it. They'll have it at all their incident bases uh, for wildland fires this year, uh, a, a pure sport trailer. And so it's just everybody, you know— um, they are moving forward, right. and in, in addition way. to this, yeah. to obviously this, you know, this involvement on the on the on the on the personal level, and you know, in all these aspects, there's also obviously state legislation, important state legislation that's uh, you know that that is uh, is is in the hopper, and most yeah. notably uh, uh, a presumption for post traumatic stress. It, Carol, two, I mean, all of our legis- pieces of legislation are legislative priorities, but certainly. 
Um, a top two would be the post-traumatic stress injury legislation. We have two pieces. One is post-traumatic stress injury presumptive, and the second is um, peer support training and confidentiality. We know that the governor has stated, if you get a PTSI presumptive to my desk, I will sign it. And we're well into the process uh, process now, mm-hmm. and you know, it's legislative. I'd love to sit here and tell everybody that I guarantee it's going to happen. But the only thing I can guarantee you is that we're going to fight like hell to uh, see a successful um, outcome for both of those and all of our legislation. Um, now, one of the issues that uh, one of the major successes that happened on that very subject of uh, post-traumatic stress uh, fairly early on was that the International Association of Firefighters, the IFF, announced that their second IFF Center of Excellence on Behavioral Health is going to be located here in California. Um, talk about the magnitude of that. What is, the, why is that? The magnitude is huge. And through the efforts of every firefighter in California, um, after having several discussions with the IFF general president, Harold Schaeberger, and they did evaluations with ARS, Advanced Recovery System, which is their partner, um, they made the decision that California would receive the next Behavioral Health Center, Center for Excellence. Um, if you don't know um, what the Center for Excellence does, it provides an in-house uh, rehabilitation and recovery center for firefighters, only firefighters. They will work with firefighters with PTSI, uh, alcohol and substance issues, and uh, other addiction issues as they come up. Currently, uh, they are actively working in the state of California to find property. Uh, right now, they're really focused on the Riverside County area of Southern California. And as soon as we get no- more information on that, we'll certainly keep everybody posted, but they're actively looking. So this, this is, and, and this is something that CPF pushed hard for in the international, and it means that now CPF members don't who who might be affected, obviously, they don't have to travel all the way back to Maryland. Right. Also, it'll be basically anybody from really the, the Mississippi West or right. the, the closest or who has the, the, the quickest bed where someone can get to, whether it's East Coast or West Coast, it'll be more beds available for our members. Right. Now, I want to just sort of take a quick look ahead here. Now, as we talked, you've 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 made a priority about kind of engaging yourselves with the membership. That's been a that's been a big part of what you've done, and also engaging the membership more broadly, particularly those who are younger um, uh, uh, members into the union movement. Uh, for from your perspective, and Mike, maybe we'll start with you since you've been involved directly with a membership with a with a, a committee that CPF formed to specifically. Uh, look at ways to activate our members. Uh, maybe talk about what you think some of the keys are uh, to making that that connection and uh, and what CPF might be looking to do to strengthen that connection. You know, uh, first, something that always works, never goes wrong, and that's face-to-face communication. And, and I think with uh, the direction of President Rice and the, myself, the DVPs going out, talking with members, meet, meeting memberships, uh, going to membership meetings, I mean, that has worked tremendously. With the Activision, Activism Committee, they have looked at um, a new uh, new member handout for, for locals to use. We can customize it to their own uh, local. We can put their brand on it with our brand on it, and we can make that work for, for each individual local. Our social media... Um, whether we're Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, uh, we are we are so on social media two or three times a day now, 
And so uh, it's that continual repetition of information getting out to the members, I think, um, through this committee that that uh, that came out of a resolution that last year's convention again ha- has really strengthened our communication. Right. And it, and it and it's basically kind of fishing where the fish are. Yes. And you know what, Carol, the other one, we have seen a large turnover in union leadership. Um, and so when I look back, I think about all the guys I started with and a lot of them are gone. And, and part of this effort is, is renewing the services that are available internally. Um, like you as a communications director, you have a communications department, Mm -hmm. you know, at your disposal. And I can't tell you, you'll, you'll know how many presidents I've referred to. Do you need to call Carol Wills? If you're writing this, have him do a review. He can help you. It's like, you've been doing that for a long time, right? (laughs) Yes, but it's, it's, it's making sure that, that our members understand those resources that have always been, have always been here. But sometimes I think for all of us, it's like, we got to look at a continual, um, I don't know if renewal is the right term, but a, a continual reminder that um, we're not just a website. You know, we're, 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 the CPF has many things to offer, and, and the beauty of it is um, if it's not something we do, you will end up talking to somebody that can point you in a direction that, that you need to go in. Right. And I think it's all part of our, our growth as we grow and uh, strengthen our membership across the state to really hit on that. The union is all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that to me is the underlying message, Carol. And I, and I think every single day, because I see the staff a lot. And I watch the interaction and I listen to the number of different locals that different staff members, whether it's communications, political or legislative, that are actively engaged at a local level. Um, I, it just it's going it's going to further the strength that we already have. And that's going to be a good thing for our members and their families. Um, well, gentlemen, we're, we're out of time. We're past time, actually. Brian, Mike, thank you very much for, uh, for sharing your thoughts, and thanks to everybody for listening in. Um, uh, the gentlemen sitting with me are very much interested in getting your feedback, comments, criticism. Tell us what you'd like to hear about. Uh, drop us a line, uh, info at cpf.org. Uh, uh, we'll get, uh, you can also find uh, CPF Firewire at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean at the CPF website. Uh, We're also going to start posting the uh, podcast updates at the CPF YouTube page, so search on California Professional Firefighters for that. You're basically not going to be able to avoid us. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) CPF Firewire is a production of California Professional Firefighters. Our producer is Farah Dayani. Our engineer is Matt McDermott. I'm Carol Wills. Please join us next month for another episode of CPF Firewire.